mindfulness mode. We all need someone in our lives who holds us to a higher standard than we believe that we can attain. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here in mindfulness mode with me, your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Lankford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm here today with an athlete. And not only is he an athlete, but he's also a podcaster. And he has this terrific show called Success Through Failure. And he has a way of communicating to really bring it home how you can, in your own life, use basic concepts in order to be more mindful and to just live a happier, more productive life. He's is a very, very interesting man. I'm with Jim Harshaw Jr. today. Jim, are you in mindfulness mode today? Bruce, I am. That's great to have you with us. And it's always great to talk to a fellow podcaster. So what does mindfulness mean to you, Jim? Gosh, mindfulness is living intentionally. And that's what I find is the secret to success for, for so many people. And I've gotten to work with you know, world-class performers. I mean, I have clients in Fortune 500 companies, et cetera. I've, uh, I was an Olympic hopeful myself and I got to live and, and be, I was raised around, you know, Olympic hopefuls for so many years and Olympians and Olympic gold medalists were, were friends of mine and are friends of mine. And um, I had a, uh, my prior job, I was around millionaires. I mean, it was, I was a major gift fundraiser for an athletic department, for a major athletic department here in the U.S. And, you know, I find that mindfulness is really the key and the secret to to not only success but happiness well you teach about resilience so let's talk about that what's the key to resilience we really need to know that especially now that we're living in a pandemic yeah you know so we tend to do today what we did yesterday and we tend to do you know the same thing tomorrow that we did today because for no better reason than that's what we did yesterday right so we're not uh, typically breaking out of this mold of this pattern of these routines. But, you know, what I've found is, you know, interviewing all these world-class performers on my own podcast and, and also, you know, getting to coach so many of them and, and getting to, to be raised around and live around these, these world-class performers my whole life. I realized that the, the secret to resilience, the secret to success, the secret to happiness is, is never doing the thing that you think, people are known for, right? So for the, for the New York times bestselling author, like, uh, I, I asked them the, you know, what's this, you know, the one habit that you, you know, most credit for your success, you think it would be the writing. Well, it's you not, would. right. You know, when you ask the Olympic gold medalist, like what's your secret to success? One habit that you most credit for your success. It's never the training. It's always some version of stepping off of the treadmill of life, uh, of not doing the thing, but actually pulling back and hitting the pause button. And they do things like meditation, prayer, journaling, working with a coach, uh, doing a retreat, uh, planning their day, planning their year, planning their month, like setting their goals, et cetera. So it's never doing, it's always pulling back. And, and so uh, I've coined the phrase or the term productive pause to describe all of these sort of different habits. They all fall under this umbrella of a productive pause. And a, a productive pause is this, it's a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind. So for the listener, if you didn't catch that, I just, just hit the rewind button, go back 30 seconds and, and listen to that again, because it is really powerful. It is the key to resilience. So, you know, we're at a pandemic right now. 
and I do a lot of virtual speaking to different companies and uh, clients around around the United States and Canada. And you know, they're they're always asking me about resilience in the pandemic, and it's like, and we and we talk about that, but you know this pandemic will end, you know, God willing at some point, right? It feels like it never will, but, but it will end it in some way, shape or form, but we will all need to be resilient in our own way moving forward. Right. Like, like there will be challenges that you, the listeners will have to deal with in your own life, right? Maybe it's a personal challenge or, or some kind of setback or, or something in your job or your career, like you're going to need to be resilient. So this isn't just about the pandemic. This is about, life like how do you how do you operate this way how do you how do you be resilient now but also in the next adversity that's just around the corner because there's always something else coming around the corner well your message is about failure too and that's something that we really need to understand we're going to have failure in our lives let's talk about failure and how that can actually be a benefit for us yeah and, and you know just to, to stick with the theme of your podcast, Bruce, is it's, it's, a, it's a benefit for us if we're mindful of it, right? So, you know, I interviewed Tim Ferriss a while back and, and you know, one thing he said is, because uh, I ask all my, all my guests, tell me about a time when you failed and, and what is your view on failure, et cetera. And he's like, well, you know, just because you fail, it doesn't mean you're going to succeed, right? There, there's a lot of talk around that, right? Failure, the benefit of failure, all of this sort, sort of thing. And but it's but it's only it's only a value if you learn from it if you pull back and do a productive pause or if in the military they call it an after action report okay so i failed now what like how do i how do i learn from this how do i get better from it how do i improve from this now if you fail and just allow that inner voice to to dictate your next steps that inner voice is usually saying see i told you so you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not capable enough. I told you, here you go again. You tried and you failed. Just lower your goals and you won't have to feel that pain again. You won't have to feel the, the setback or the adversity or the rejection. But if you actually pull back, hit the pause button and, and evaluate, you know, how, how did, you know, where did I go wrong? And also, what did I do right? Like, were there some things here that I, that I did correctly that I did well, you know, in, and evaluate what went well, because usually most of it did, but there were some things that, that made it go wrong. But whenever you do that, whenever you step back, evaluate your failures, you go, ah, you know what? I'm actually smarter and more and wiser now and more experienced. I'm actually more qualified now than I was before the failure. And there was research done at the um, uh, Kellogg School of Management, Northwestern University Business School, where they studied failures in um, there, were, uh, there were applications to the National Institutes of Health. They also studied failures in investor backed companies. And they also they took a third tactic that was a little uh, a little different, but they, they thought this would be helpful for the for the sake of the research. And they they researched terrorism attacks. Mm-hmm. And so they research these three, uh, you know, uh, instances where you can research success and failure, and you can really see the data on re- on success and failure. And what they found was the ones who uh, the the ones who went on to succeed, right? The successes, the winners. The common theme is they all started 
as failures. All the winners started as losers. Now, if, of course, if you call terrorism tax winners, right, we're talking about just the, the exact success of the execution of what they're trying to, to do. Um, they all started as losers. Now, mm -hmm. the one thing that they noticed that uh, turned the, the losers into winners, the failures into successes was, was the fact that those, you know, just because you failed doesn't mean you're going to succeed, but the ones who actually got up and tried again sooner succeeded more often. So for, for the listeners, you're sitting there going, okay, I failed. I maybe try and, you know, the, the business that you tried to launch or the book that you tried to write or the, the, the weight that you tried to lose or the, the relationship that you tried to heal or whatever it was that you failed at, try again, right? Pull back, ask yourself some productive pause questions like, like what worked, what didn't work? What could I have done differently? I mean, literally journal on these types of things or, or talk to a friend or talk to a coach, talk to a mentor and actually bring these subconscious thoughts and feelings to the surface, evaluate, you know, what went right, what went wrong, how you can be uh, wiser the next time and then try again, the sooner, the better. Jim, I want to talk about wrestling. I know that you're a, an all American wrestler. You, uh, are a very successful wrestler. When was the first time you got into wrestling and what was your experience back then? Yeah, boy, my, my first time, I, I started at six years old. So I grew up in Pennsylvania, which wrestling's just in the blood in Pennsylvania. I mean, it's what you do. You play football and basketball and baseball and wrestling. I mean, it's just, that's what you do. And, and wrestling is something I started at very young. I was six years old. And, you know, wrestling is a sport where it doesn't matter how tall you are or how fast you are or how strong you are. None of those matter. What matters is the technique above everything else. It's really a martial art. And I don't care what martial art you're trying out. You know, you're going to fail. I mean, that's like you're guaranteed to fail in the beginning. And so if you test, you test something out like this and, and, you, and you fail right away and go, ah, see, I'm not good enough. Well, it, no, it's not that you're not good enough. It's just you haven't learned the techniques. You don't have the experience. You haven't learned the moves. So, so I started very young. And I'll be honest, Bruce, my, my, my journey through up and through, through high school was, was failure. Um, mm -hmm. My goal was to win the state championship. And it's a big deal if you win the Pennsylvania state championship. But, you know, it, it, that was my goal. And not only did I not win the championship, I didn't even get a medal. I didn't even play. They play the medals for the top six in the state. I didn't even get one of those. I mean, I wasn't even close to achieving my goal. And, you know, I, I, I got recruited. Thankfully, I had a couple of coaches who believed in me, a couple of two colleges, really. There were just two who really recruited me. They saw potential in me. They saw me training, and some of these coaches were involved in, in my, my off-season work that I did. And so they saw who I was and that I was a hard worker and maybe saw some potential in there. And they recruited me, and I got to the University of Virginia, which is a, the number one public university in the, in the country here in the U.S. And, and uh, you know, I looked around when I got there, and I, I thought to myself, like, you know, this is going to be more failure for me because everybody's better looking than me. Everybody has more money than me and uh, everybody's smarter than me. And I mm -hmm. just, you know, it would just sort of reinforce all these feelings of doubt that had built up in, in me over years of failure. Um, but, but that all, you know, you, you fast forward five years and, and I graduated from the University of Virginia with two degrees uh, a master's degree and an undergraduate degree. And, and I had three ACC championships, our conference championship, I had three, three championships under my belt. 
and I was an All-American, meaning I was, I was in the top eight in the entire United States at what I did. And I was invited to live and train at the Olympic Training Center. So there was this, this massive transformation that took place in my life. And, and so failure was an essential part of, of my journey uh, from a six-year-old wrestler to uh, getting onto the podium at the national championships. Wow. That must have been so exciting. Yeah, I'd be mean, 15,000 people in the arena. I mean, it's like it was a lifelong dream achieved, you know, and, and you know, mom and dad were there screaming, my sisters were there. It was just this 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 moment that you dream about. And literally I did. I dreamed about it. I visualized it and 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 it actually came to fruition. Um and and to be honest, you know, it set me off on this sort of course in my life where I had this this confidence and this belief in myself. And, you know, I went on to train at the Olympic Training Center and then I got into coaching and I became the youngest division one head wrestling coach in the country. Um, I, I then got out of coach. I, I coached for about a decade, a little over a decade. Then I got out of coaching and I started my first business and that was a success. And then start, you know, I sold that business. And so I'm on this trajectory. Right. And everything is 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 great. And then and then I, I, I raised some angel capital and I built a software and I launched this this new company and that one ended up in failure. Uh, I, I had a failed business. We had debt up to our eyeballs, failing marriage, wasn't spending enough time with my kids, failing health. I was in the worst physical shape of my life. And uh, really, it was, it was a, another one of those moments where I was like, all those feelings came back. of like, see, you're not good enough. You're not mm. smart enough. You're not capable enough. Like, I told you, Jim, all that was, you were just lucky to have that success. You were lucky to be an All-American. You were lucky to become the youngest Division One head wrestling coach. You were lucky to, to have a successful business and, and see this is who you really are. Like, and all these feelings kind of came back, you know, literally. I mean, I was sitting on my couch and just just feeling the weight of the world on me when I my business was failing and everything. And, um, and I look back at my life when I was competing, when I had that transition from, from failure to success as a wrestler in college, and I, I thought, you know, what was in place in my life then? And, how, and it allowed me to be resilient, allowed me to deal with failure, allowed me to turn failure into success. And how do I recreate that in my life now? And I did. I realized there was four steps. I think we can talk about those if you want. But, but I recreated that structure in my life. And you know, it changed everything. I, I tripled my income. I healed my relationship with my wife, started spending more time with my kids got in shape again. I've since run marathons and done Spartan races, et cetera. And I'm in the best shape of my life outside of having, you know, been a, a college athlete. Um, I've been in the best shape of my life since then. And, and I get, that's my mission in the world is to share this with people and to help them because people are struggling. People have self-doubt. People have, you know, uh, they, they struggle with confidence. They struggle with uh, knowing, you know, what their plan is, what their path is. They, they lower their goals because of failure but they're not pulling back. And how long ago was this downturn in your life? This was uh, eight years ago. Eight years ago. And then, and how long did it take you to turn things around? You know, things turned around in about, uh, started turning around. You started seeing signs in about six months. Oh, six and then months. Six months. I mean, it really, well, really it was, it was, I would say this. Things started turning around within a few weeks because I got clarity. I, I went through this process and it's the process that I coach now. It's much more refined, but I was kind of building the plan as I went, right? Building this plan for my life and, and, and putting the puzzle pieces back together that were in place in my life when I, when I, you know, 
turned my failure into success as a wrestler. And I started, I'm like, what was, what was there? Oh yeah, this was in place. Okay. And how do I get that? Okay. How do I do that? Like, okay. And then I had the right people. I had a coach and I had, you know, I, I knew what I valued and I had a um, clear plan and clear goals. And then also what I call micro goals. And I started putting this together, not knowing that it would turn into uh, uh, my, my life's mission. But once I did that and my, my clients tell me this all the time, they like, like two weeks into my, my coaching, they're like, Jim, like I've gotten the, the full coaching value out of this in just a couple of weeks because they start to understand what's next for them. They start to understand a clear and confident path forward. And so the, the change started happening very quickly, but I didn't know that I was kind of onto something. And, you know, six months later, um, my, my income had doubled. And, and then a few years after that, my income had tripled and I started, uh, you know, started teaching this to a few people. And, and then I started the podcast and the podcast was about six years ago, actually. And I started interviewing Navy SEALs and Olympic gold medalists, et cetera, et cetera. And I started realizing, wait a second, like this process, like this framework is, this isn't just a gym thing. This is actually the, this universal framework for success. So I didn't like invent something, I didn't create something. I just like discovered it. Right. And, or I rediscovered it. Yeah. And I get to share it with the world now. Um, but that, but the change happens pretty quickly and it just feels good to have that plan, that confident, clear plan forward. Well, you've got me curious about these four pillars. I want to hear what yeah, they are. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, so the first one is, you know, when I was competing, I knew what I valued. I, I, I don't know that I could have stated it as core values like I can today, but I knew that, you know, I wanted to be tough. I wanted to be disciplined. I wanted to be respected. Like the, just like all the people who I looked up to, my mentors, my heroes, the, the, the pig, people who I had posters on my wall of like, I wanted to be like them. Right. So I had these, 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 this clear concept of what I wanted and what I valued. And, and so that's number one is core values. Right. And, and I do that with my clients and a lot of people say, well, I've done that before. I've circled words on a page. Well, that's nice, but like, it's about going deeper and doing the, the deep work required to understanding that. So that's number one. And then number two is you have to have goals that align with those values. And I had that when I was competing. Like my goals were in perfect harmony, perfect alignment with my values. Not, they weren't, you know, in alignment with my mom or dad's or, or with my teammates or anybody else's. Like they were in alignment with what Jim valued. And you know, what happens in the real world is people, you know, they start aligning their goals with what's parked in their neighbor's driveway or, or what they see in so on social media or what they, the mass media tells them that they should want. As opposed, and that's when that's why people feel like out of balance, out of alignment, and and so I, I did that. So I had number one, I had the core values. Number two, I had these aligned goals, and then third, I realized when I was when I was competing at the highest level, when I was one of the best in the world and best in the country at what I did, I was I, I had coaches who would kick me in the rear end if I needed a kick, or help me course correct, or they'd pick me up and dust me off if I needed that. I had teammates. Like-minded teammates who I was accountable to them, they were accountable to me. Like so, there was this built-in accountability. Uh, I had nutritionists, I had sports psychologists, I had strength and conditioning coaches, I had athletic trainers, like all these people, right? And I call this the environment of excellence. And it, the environment of excellence isn't just people. Uh, there's actually four parts. I'll go through those real quickly. M A P S. Just like you need a map to get from point A to point B, you need a map in your life to get from where you're at to where you want to go. So M stands for media. 
Like what's the media you're allowing into your life? If for listener, you're listening to this podcast, like this is the right kind of media mindfulness mode to listen, listening to this, listening to experts you know, and, and reflecting on your own life and learning these skill sets. And, and so that's it media. What's the media that you're allowing into your life? And is there media that you should be pushing out of your life? Maybe the endless news cycle, right? Um, some of the negativity that you get from the world. So media is the first one. A is for area, like your physical space. Like Bruce, right now we're talking, I'm at a stand, standing desk. I'm standing up. Like this is part of my environment of excellence. I feel good. I feel energized. I feel, feel creative. Like you have to have an optimized physical space. I have a glass of water right here. It's not soda. It's not John, I mean, junk food near me. Like this is my optimized area, physical space. Um, I have my goals posted right in front of me. Um, like my area is optimized for success. Um, P is for people, which we already talked about. And then S is for, and this is really critical speech or, or self-talk, like not only the self-talk, but, but the out loud talk as well. Right? So what are the words and the language that you're using? Like, like whenever I failed at wrestling, I learned to say, you know what? I got better. Like it hurts. It's sucks. It's not fun. We're not seeking it. But I knew that if I used the language, the correct language, I could convince myself, remind myself that I'm actually better off for having wrestled an opponent who exposed my weakness. Now, now I know, now I know, right? So anyway, so back to the, the, the four part structure is core values, aligned goals, environment of excellence. And then here's the fourth and final piece. And this is, this is the glue. And this is the part that, that most people miss. Like it's nice to do the core values work. It's nice to create aligned goals and then create a plan to achieve them. It's nice to have this environment of excellence. And, and if, if we just stop there, everybody would feel great. And then they would fall off a cliff a month or a, a week or a month or, or three months later, right? That's why resolutions don't work. You have to have a plan to follow through. Like if I lost a wrestling match on Saturday, my coach would be like, hey, Jim, I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you in the weight room tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. <laughs> you know, and like you have that built in, like this plan for follow through. Well, you have to create it in the real world because guess what? We don't have it. There's, there's a million things pulling at our time. And, and guess what? Kids get sick, cars break down, global pandemics happen, right? Uh, the boss puts a, a huge project on your desk. Uh, you have a, a busy season at work. Like these things happen. If you don't have a plan to follow through, guess what happens to those goals in that plan? They get put up on a shelf. Six months later, you're like, man, I thought I had some goal. I, well, what are my goals again? Let me, let me see if I can go find that document somewhere. Like, no, you have to have a plan to follow through. So anyway, that's the four-part process. I call that reveal your path. Reveal your path. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Jim. It really does. And uh, I want to ask you a question about bullying because I've worked in the field of bullying prevention for a long time. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my wife is a licensed therapist and counselor. She works with children. And I really wish I would have had somebody like that in my life when I was younger. So uh, I was in sixth grade and, and I got bullied. Mm. And, and I, you know, I was a wrestler. I didn't know that, uh, that I didn't know my own <clears throat> sort of capabilities and strengths and, and abilities. And, you know, I, 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 just, I just thought that, uh, again, I was – I just had this overwhelming self-doubt and, and lack of confidence in myself. But had I known that there was something called a counselor or a therapist, had I known that there were people out there that could help me step back and evaluate what was happening, 
evaluate my thoughts and create a plan, you know, understand the language that you can use against bullies, that would have been tremendously helpful. And that's what, it, that's what going to counseling or therapy is. It's a productive pause. It's pulling back. It's not just showing up and going to school and doing the same thing today because that's what I did yesterday and doing the same thing tomorrow for no better reason. That's what I did today. Like you have someone to reflect with. You have somebody to pull back, do a productive pause with and create a plan. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That really is. So I want to uh, I want to ask you about meditation. Do you have meditation in your life of any form? I do. I do. I meditate. It. Um, it, it's, uh, it's not something I do on a regular basis. I meditated this morning, matter of fact, um, for about 15 minutes. It's just a short, uh, um, you know, usually about 10 or 15 minutes. And I, I have a couple of different ways that I do it. Um, sitting purely in silence, right? And just, just sort of the, trip, the typical, um, what you imagine as meditation. Um, and then sometimes I use guided meditations. Uh, Headspace is, is a great one. Actually, Headspace has a, um, a great series on Netflix where you can just learn all about all about meditation and different ways of meditating and how it helps and all that. So we actually watch that with my kids and my wife and I watch it with four children and we're trying, trying to teach them about meditation and mindfulness. And, and so that's been a great uh, resource for us. But I also create, these are something of a cross between a meditation and a visualization. So I, I, I take what I, my script for an ideal day, like a miracle day, and I have it all written out and I, and I, I read it into just into a voice memo on my phone and I will, and it's about a five, five minute long, uh, script and I will meditate for a few minutes and then I'll hit play on that. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I read that real, just slowly and softly to myself. And I, and I'm, I'm just listening to that and I'm visualizing this as I meditate. So it's a moment of, of pause. A uh, moment of peace, a moment of intention, and also a moment of visualization. It's in visualization something I did as an athlete, and it's something that I do now. I mean, it's took, taken me from, you know, working a full time job, uh, six seven days a week, uh, sixty plus hours a week, where I'm working nights and weekends and traveling. I loved my job, but I started this business years ago on the side, and mm. this visualization is what I needed to get me from there to here. And so that's part med- meditation, part visualization. And what kind of physical activity do you have in your life, Jim? I work out uh, about five days a week, uh, consi- every week at least four. That's my my bottom, uh, but usually five, even six days a week. And I do something called F three F three. So F the F stands for uh, Fitness Fellowship and Faith, and. It's sort of this underground fitness movement for men happening here in the States. And I actually interviewed the founder of it. Um, might have been episode 275, give or take five episodes there for any of the listeners uh, interested in checking this out. But F3 was started in North Carolina back in 2011 by a couple of guys who kind of were sick of going to the gym. And they just wanted to work out with some other men and, and just connect with other men because I think men really... They, they, they are disconnected um, yeah, and yeah. they really don't have that, those close connections. And, and so it was part fitness, part bringing guys together. And anyway, this thing, it's, it's totally free. Nobody makes any money off of this thing. It's just, it's always free. It's always outside. It's open to all men. It's always peer led. So different people, you know, 
get different guys like me run the run the workout, uh, and we always end with some. We call it a circle of trust. It's uh, usually some kind of um, motivational story or, or or sharing something meaningful or a prayer. Uh, sometimes we even end in meditation. But F3 for anybody out there interested in this and you want to find out if there's one in your town or different locations in your town, uh, different workouts in your town, just go to just Google F3 or, or F3nation.com. I'm a huge proponent uh, of F3, but it's uh, usually like a boot camp style workout. It's burpees, it's push-ups, it's sprinting, it, it, different things like that. It's usually really hard, but it's really there's a, there's an element of, of fellowship and, and uh, connection with other men. And we do a lot of great works in the communities, et cetera. F3 Nation, Mindful Tribe, have a look. If that might be something that, that you're looking for and that you just don't even realize it's missing from your life. Yeah, so let's talk about diet. What's your diet like? Yeah, I eat pretty healthy. Um, certainly not perfect, but I, I, I do uh, intermittent fasting most days up until about noon. So I don't eat until about noon, uh, at which point I'll usually start with a hard-boiled egg and then I'll have a smoothie that, which is absolutely disgusting. My kids would never even actually taste it, let alone drink this. It's got spinach, broccoli, carrots, uh, kefir, which is like a yogurt drink, and then peanut butter, chia, and flax seeds, and, and uh, some frozen strawberries and, and bananas. So it's uh, it's pretty disgusting mix, but uh, but it's like I call it my vegetable delivery vehicle. It's a way to get healthy food into me, and then the rest of the day is just kind of you know I'll eat whatever's on the dinner plate. My wife usually cooks pretty healthy. And then, uh, my, uh, my weakness is having a bowl of cereal in the evenings. So my whole family, we crush so much cereal, Bruce. It's ridiculous. Oh, is that right? What <laughs> kind of, what kinds of cereal do you like? Oh, uh, you name it. We got, but my kids love honey bunches of oats. That's their, oh, yeah. that's their go-to, but, uh, man, whatever's in the cabinet, that's where yeah. we're crushing it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's cool. Well, I want to ask you five quick answer questions as we move forward in the interview. And the first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence on you in your life? So my mentor is a guy named Dr. Tom Perrin, and he is the first person who, well, number one, he was my sports psychologist whenever I was uh, a wrestler. He helped me, he, he was my first sort of mindset coach, and he helped me step back and evaluate my fear of failure and helped me get over the hump and, and actually become an All-American college wrestler. We've stayed in touch over the decades, and now he is uh, a business partner. So we do some work together. Uh, he's uh -huh. a management, mostly does work with you know executives and whatnot. So he's a management consultant, and um, but he still helps me pull back. He has this um, assessment that he that he administers that has really helped me um, be more mindful of, of who I am, how I operate, and then he helps me step back and, and evaluate myself still. So let's talk about emotions. How has mindfulness changed about how you deal with your emotions? One of my mastermind groups, uh, I have about a half a dozen groups of clients and we had these sort of small group mastermind conversations. And a few, maybe two months ago, one of my clients said this, he, I think he read this somewhere, maybe in the Daily Stoic or something, but it was something about, it was about, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, um, losing your patience is weakness. Mm. losing your patience is, is a weakness. And I never really thought of it, but it really resonated with me to understand that like, like losing control of my emotions is weakness. So you really have to force yourself to be present in order to control those emotions. And that's being mindful, right? And, and mindfulness comes from meditation. Mindfulness can come from, from journaling. Mindfulness comes from coaching. Shoot, mindfulness comes from me facilitating a group coaching call with these guys. And then, and then hearing this message and going, ah, 
mindful, you know, you know, losing your patience is weakness. And now just by having that conversation and the conversation that we're having right now, Bruce, and for you, the listeners listening, like you're listening to this, you are now more mindful of your emotions. And hopefully that little quote will help you as well. So that's how mindfulness has helped me with my emotions. Ah, that's, that's very, very uh, valuable. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Yeah. So I have a, uh, uh, a breathing technique that I use. And I learned this from Dr. Rob Gilbert of the success hotline. So for any listeners, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but, but Google success hotline and a quick aside, he has left a short motivational message on his voicemail every day since get this every single day since 1991. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't wow. missed. It's insane. You talk about consistency. Incredible. But it's such a three, it's a three minute short motivational message. It's such a great little resource, great tool. But anyway, he has this, this breathing technique. It, it's really fantastic. It's just a quick, short reset. And you do this, you take a deep breath and you count down from four, three, two, one, I'm sorry, uh, five, four, three, two, one. And you relax on, on, on the five count. It's you relax from your knees down, like lower legs. Four is upper legs. Three is torso. Two is arms. And one is head up, head and neck. Okay. So, so for the listener, you can do that. You can just hit pause on this episode real quick and just take a deep breath. And then five, four, three, two, one. And you're just focusing on just working from your legs up, up your body. And so that's a great little reset technique that I love to do. That's awesome. I really like that. Tell us if you can recommend a book related to mindfulness. Yes. The, the book that I always recommend, because I think this is, this is so about mindfulness is, um, and I'm sure the listeners, if they're listening to an ep uh, to a show like this, they they get this, but this is, um, how to win friends and influence people. This is about being mindful of how you operate with people, how you deal with people, how you interact with people. It's about listening. It's about learning. It's about understanding people. And it helps you be mindful of those interactions because there are, there's nothing more important in the world than our relationships, money, health, they come second to relationships. Now you could certainly debate about health, of course, but like relationships is about people. You know, there's been studies that, you know, uh, the, the longest longitudinal study ever done uh, is at Harvard uh, on relationships. It's called the grant study. It's been going on for 70 some years and they've determined that, relationships are the key to happiness, not money, not even health. I mean, health is obviously important, but relationships and connection. And that's what this book does. It bring, it teaches you how to connect with people. It's such a fantastic book. It's been, I think it was written in like the 1940s. And I mean, if you go to any bookstore today, you'll, you'll find five copies. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Yeah. I use the five minute journal. The five minute journal is just a, a short, I'm sure your listeners may have, may have heard of this before. There's three questions in the morning and two in the evening, but it just forces you to, uh, you know, write down what you're grateful for, what would make today great and an affirmation in the morning. And then in the evening, you know, what, what are three amazing things that happened today and how could I have made today even better? I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than that. It's so powerful, so short. I actually used to have the book and and one of my clients, he's like, yeah, I downloaded the app and he's like, I'm using it. So I downloaded the app and gave it a try. It is so simple, so powerful, so useful just to hit the pause button. This is a, this is a version of the productive pause, hit the pause button once a day, fill out the five minute journal. 
Yeah, that's great. Your your podcast is great, Success Through Failure. And of course, Mindful Tribe, you can go to Jim's website at jimharshawjr.com. And it's Jim, J-I-M-H-A-R-S-H-A-W-J-R.com. And you can find out lots more about Jim there. And it's been really great connecting with you, Jim, and talking about all of this. You've shared so much wisdom on this episode. Can I get one more piece of wisdom about just like maybe somebody's listening to this today and maybe things aren't going that great and they're feeling kind of negative and they're a little discouraged, but they, they understand some basics about mindfulness. What's your piece of advice? What's your wisdom for that person? Yeah, this is the wisdom. This is something that I've learned and I will always, always have this in my life. And it, it, there's a quote that I, I shared that uh, that really resonated with people. It's what sometimes you say things and you don't know what resonates and man, this has really landed well with people, but it's this. Um, we all need someone in our lives who holds us to a higher standard than we believe that we can attain. So having that coach, having that person outside of you, right? Having the person who can can ask you the hard questions, having the person who can help you see your blind spots and help you see around your blinders. And, and so I really encourage, and, and I'm, this is not about me. You can certainly go to my website and sign up for a free coaching call with me, et cetera, but get somebody, get somebody in your life who holds you to a higher standard than you believe that you can attain because you have more in you. You have more potential. And in order for you to maximize that potential, you have to get outside of your own head. That's great advice. And it's been great talking to you, Jim. Thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode today. Likewise, Bruce. Thank you for making the time for me. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. All the best. Bye now. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening, subscribing, and rating the show on Apple Podcasts. I have a question for you. Would you like to conquer your inner bully? How would you feel if you could break through the blocks that are keeping you from moving forward in your life? Maybe you have anxiety, maybe you have sleep issues, or, or maybe you need help with stress. I'd be glad to work with you. I'm a licensed hypnotist, and I'll help you move through your challenges to the other side where you'll feel calm and accomplished. Send me an email at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. We'll set up a free 30-minute session where we'll see if you're a good fit for my hypnosis and coaching package. In the subject line, put Mindfulness Mode Listener. And again, send it to bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. So now, Mindful Tribe, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.